Pastor Lau and Pastor Dala Haprasit would like to welcome you to the following message from New Hope International Church in Seattle, Washington. Here is Pastor Lau's anointed teaching that will change your life with love, hope, and peace in Jesus Christ. And now, Pastor Lau. Today I would like to teach you something that you were not child about, but you will appreciate later on. You have the seat belt on, ready? Okay. Don't give any excuses about going to the bathroom because the subject today is going to be heavy. Sometimes we give you some hors d'oeuvre to eat, but sometimes we need to give you steak. How many people like steak? I like steak. I like steak. And the Lord kept telling me one thing about being a pastor of this church that He wants to see all of us to grow up to become mature and strong Christians. He doesn't want me to preach the message that tickles your ears and just make you happy on Sunday. But sometimes we need to give the truth. And even though we feel uncomfortable, and even though we may feel that we want to leave, but it's good for you. We send kids to school. Sometimes they don't want to go, but they need to go so that they will be successful. The same thing in the church. We need to hear the truth, even though we feel uncomfortable. Today, we will continue about how to pray. Jesus is a great example. Jesus prayed a lot while he was on earth. When we look at the way he prayed, we learn a lot. And as the Son of God prayed, we need to pray even more than him because we do not have such a great anointing like him. We don't have much faith like him. We're still growing in an anointing and faith. And today we're going to learn one kind of prayers. Matthew 26, 36 to 45. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. And he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time, he went away and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again. Wow. For their eyes were heavy. How many people have that problem too? Eyes are heavy. So (laughs) he left them, went away again the third time, and prayed the third time saying the same words. Our church wants to learn from the scripture. The word of God is our standard. And everything we do, everything we practice in the church, we want to use the word of God. We want the word of God 1,000%. And also we want the Holy Spirit 1,000%. We cannot practice the word without the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. We are hungry for his presence to fill us and to grace us and to empower us. And today we're going to learn how Jesus prayed. 
Jesus prayed a kind of prayer here three times. It doesn't mean that he practiced we call vain repetition. He said, "Don't pray the same word again, over and over again, like the heathens do." Actually, I used to be Buddhist, and I was praying like that. I was praying the same thing again and again without meanings anything. But Jesus, even though he prayed three times, but those words that he talked to God the Father were very meaningful and full of faith. We're going to look at the Bible together today. Many scriptures how to pray. The way he prayed. There are different kinds of prayer. We already learned from a few years ago. Go and get the CD series called "Touching Heaven and Changing Earth." That was the first series of this teaching, and I talk a lot about different kind of prayer: persistent prayer, requiring prayer, asking, all these things. But today we're going to learn one kind of prayer: Ephesians chapter six, verse eighteen. Praying always with all prayer. You see, God say in the Bible there are many kinds of prayer, and we pray all kinds of prayer, not just asking, not just give me, give me, give me, but we need to do all kinds of prayer. This prayer that we talk about today, we call a prayer of submission, a prayer of submission. This is not a very popular subject. What involved in this kind of prayer is called commitment. In other words, as a believer, if you want to grow up, you need to submit to the will of God, and you need to commit to fulfill that will to the end of your life. You run the race to the end. You don't quit in the middle. Submission and commitment are the characteristic of God, and are the characteristic of also mature Christians, people who are growing up. In the Lord, not babies. Okay, and one of the biggest problem in today's modern church is lack of commitment. Many people in our generation don't even understand the word faithfulness. When things get tough, they quit. They're throwing a hot towel and they walk away. They keep divorcing. Just keep throwing in a towel. Many many incidents of divorce because. They don't understand the word faithfulness and commitment. Thank Jesus that when He faced difficulties and persecutions, He did not quit on the Father and on us. And that's why we are here today, have salvation and all the blessing that He bought for us by His blood, because He did not quit. The Bible says in Second Timothy chapter two, verse three, "You therefore must." Endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So the Bible said that we must be a soldier. When I was a young boy, I liked to watch the movie, the TV series called Combat. How many people watch that TV series? It must be at least fifty years old. Okay, okay. If you are a young man here, you may not know that series <laughs> called Combat. This group of American soldiers went into the area that they were fighting with the Nazi, and I learned a lot from that movie. And when I read the word "soldier of Christ," I have some idea right away, because in the battlefield, it's not easy, it's not fun. It's a lot of problem in the battlefield. Sometimes it's very cold. Sometimes it's very dusty. Sometimes it's too hot. 
But the soldier will never say, "I'm going to quit right now because it's too cold. I'm going to quit right now because it's too dusty." There's so many good movies about World War II that you can learn about how soldiers function in the battlefield. Jesus prayed the prayer of submission. He commit to do the will of the Father to the end. As Christian, we need to follow His example. We submit to the will of God, and we commit to do the will of God to the end. And we realize that when we are walking in obedience and submission, God has sufficient grace for all of us to go through until we get to the finish line. God doesn't want Christians to be wimpy babies who always quit when things get tough. We want to build the army of God. We want to build the church that are full of mature. Strong men and women of God, who know how to walk in the power of His might, who know how to stand in faith, who are the full disciple of Jesus Christ that never quit and never faint. Everyone say, "I will never quit. I'm faithful. I'm committed." Do you know that many believers or many servants of God in the Past history and today, that have success in their ministry or the things of God, all of them have opportunities to quit any time, but they did not quit. Jesus was one of them. Jesus represent God in the world as humanity. He has the chance to quit as well. Jesus know that he has to go through hardships and whipping post and uh, persecution and the nail in his hand. But he say, "Watch and pray, so that you will not enter into temptation and failed." He want his disciple to pass the test of commitment. We all gonna have to pass the test of commitment, and I have gone through that many times in my life. Watch and pray, so that we will not fail. Amen. This is one kind of prayer. We need to spend time with God. And recommit our life and say, "I'm gonna walk through this, and I will never quit, and I will never walk away from what you call me to do." Ask God for the grace and the power to finish the course. What happened? Peter was sleeping while Jesus was praying in Gethsemane, and you can see the result of his lacking of watching and praying. Peter faced the temptations or the commitment test three times. He denied Jesus three times. He failed the Lord because he did not watch and pray. When I read about the story of Peter denying Jesus three times, I pray to God, you know, God, I don't want to fail like Peter. I don't want to displease you. I don't want you to feel disappointed. Lord, whatever you call me, whenever you call me, I will be there and say, "I'm here, Lord. What do you want from me? I'm here." I will always be there for you, Lord. If you ask me to go, I will go all the way until you say it's done. Because I know that if I do that, I will get a full reward, and I will be promoted, and I will be used by Him. The longer I am in revival, I can feel the heart of Jesus 2,000 years ago. The people in the world are so oppressed and so tortured by the enemy, by sickness and disease, and by sin and bondages and curses, and demons. 
and I feel the heart of God inside me and say, God, it's as Jesus was walking on earth 2,000 years ago, and he set the captive free. Use me as well. But I cannot do that if I'm a wimpy Christian who just quit all the time and cry and complain all the days of my life. I need to be a tough and committed, submitted Christian. Amen? One of the reasons that many Christians never grow up, they sit in the church for 20 years, 30 years, but they never grow up because they lack commitment. They got in the kitchen and they get out of the kitchen. They say that I'm going to be in the ministry of renting the chair. Three days later, they never show up. Where are they? They disappear. After doing for three weeks and they disappear. They've never been committed. That's why they never grow up. Every one of us will face numerous times and situations and opportunities to quit in certain circumstances. We all will have opportunities to quit. I and Pastor Da have opportunities to quit since the first day we started the church. When we started the church 20 years ago in Seattle, I lost all of my Thai friends. They all laughed at me. And I lost my community. And then people start to gossip about me, talk bad about me. I almost quit many times because I don't like to be criticized and rejected by people. But I stood firm. And so many things happened in our life. But now we are reaping the blessing of commitment and submission to the will of God. If you are a soldier, you don't write your own order. Is that right? The commander writes an order for you. You may be sent to a place to station in a place. And that place is very cold. Wow. So cold and windy like yesterday. Very windy and cold and raining. You were sitting there and say, I don't like it here. I would like to find a station that looks very warm with the ocean. Can I be transferred to Oahu, Honolulu? I like to be stationed in Honolulu so I can snorkel on the weekend. So you send the transfer request to your commander. And the bad news is you get the answer, deny. You stay there in Seattle (laughs) with cold weather and raining. and (laughs) You don't go to Honolulu. I'm talking to myself. I like to give God all the reason that maybe I should start a church in Honolulu. (laughs) Hallelujah. You stay at the station that you are ordered. You don't write your own order as God's soldier. Amen. Hallelujah. Some Christians are not doing that. Many Christians today in this generation don't have the clue about being a soldier. One day they want to go to church, they go. Another day they don't want to go to church, they don't. They serve one day, another day, I don't want to serve, I quit. I like this girl, I marry her. Oh no, I don't like her anymore. I divorce her. It just goes on and on like this. There is no commitment. There is no such thing of submission to the will of God. They just do whatever they want. They write their own order all the time. That's why they never get the blessing. That's why God cannot promote them. And it's so sad. When they go to heaven, they don't have the full rewards. They don't have the anointing because they are not the good soldiers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? As good soldiers, you show up for your duty. You don't disappear until the Lord moves you to somewhere else. Otherwise, you're just faithful to do the job and show up 
for your duty. You stick it out to the end. You run the race to the end. You are doing what you are told to do. Many Christians treat God as a servant. God, I need a spouse. Give me a spouse. Oh God, I need a job. God, give me money. God, help me to pay bill. So they come to God like a servant and ask God to do whatever they want. But when the Lord say, can you do this for me? No, 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 it's not convenient for me. That's why their life would never go anywhere. Because they don't understand that to be saved, it means you call Jesus my Lord. You know, Lord in the Greek language is kurios, which means the owner of my life. You are the commander of my life. And my Savior, to be a born-again Christian, Jesus must be our Lord and my Savior, not my servant. Amen? Hallelujah. To do the will of God is easy? No, it's not easy. Luke chapter 22, 39 to 40. The Bible continued to say, Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives, as he was accustomed. And his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. What temptation is Jesus talking about here? He said that watch and pray so that you will not enter into temptation. What temptation is that? The temptation to quit. The temptation to walk out of the will of God. The temptation to throw in a towel and say, it's enough for me. I'm going to quit. I'm going to write my own order right now. In verses 41 to 42, And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Before I go on to teach this, let me explain something. Many Christians quote this scripture in the wrong context. Okay, what do they quote? They go to pray for a sick person and say, if it's your will, heal him. This prayer that Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane is not the praying for the sick. It's about the prayer of commitment and submission. Jesus was not having a healing crusade in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus was not praying for the sick. In fact, throughout three and a half years of Jesus' ministry, he was having a lot of healing crusade. He prayed for the sick. He commanded demons to go out. He performed miracles and after miracles. And if you read the whole full gospel or the whole full gospel again and again, you never see one time that Jesus say when he prayed for the sick, if it's your will. That is the wrong context. When we pray for the sick, we cast out demons. We pray for the provision from God. We pray for the will of God to be done. We don't need to say if it's your will. It's already his will. That kind of prayer is a prayer of doubt. Try to kind of throw the fault to God. So if it's not here, it's your problem. It's not my problem. No, you don't pray. It's not your will. It's his will for us to be healed. Maybe be healed by doctor. Maybe be healed by him. Whatever. But God wants us to be healthy and strong. God wants us to be prosperous and successful and victorious because he's a good God. We don't need to ask God it's your will or not. Amen. He's a good God. Amen. How many fathers in this room want your children to be sick and poor and defeated and fail? How many? No. 
Is that right? You want your kids to be successful, to be strong, to be prosperous, and be healthy. The same thing with the father. Amen? So he was praying about the plan of God. This happened to Jesus. Jesus was following the plan of God, and he was tempted. He was facing the situation that he may quit. He may walk out of that plan to go to the cross and the whipping post. But he said three times, not my will, but your will be done. He traced three times, and he prayed in agony, in agony. He was in agony not because he was sick. He was in agony not because he was broke and poor. Not because he committed some sin and somebody caught him and he felt guilty and feel bad about it. Therefore, he was crying. No. He was in agony because he was fighting with his mind and his body that did not want to go to the cross. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Amen. Luke 22 verse 43. Then the angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. It was so hard. It was so difficult to follow the will of God for Jesus to the point that God has to send the angel to minister to him and to help him. Verse 44. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. It's so hard to follow the will of God for him. Jesus faced that. We are going to face that one day. Some of you may have already faced that, that you have to make a choice between God or your own will. One time in my life many years ago, I faced a situation that I was tempted to sin. When I say sin, I mean to not to forgive and to quit being a pastor. Because I know if I don't forgive, I cannot be a pastor. And that particular situation. And I was praying to God in my medical office and I remember my whole body just ache because I was fighting with my own flesh to follow God's ways or follow my own flesh. And I understand when the Bible talks about Jesus in agony and his wet come out as blood, he was really praying the prayer of submission to do the will of God. Submission is not easy. But submission is in the New Testament. If you read the New Testament carefully, you can see the word submit everywhere. Submit to God, submit to one another. You know, when the members of the church come and correct me, I submit and I repent. People can correct me in this church too. We submit to one another. We submit to our parents when we are young. Wives submit to the husband. Definitely the husband who is very godly will submit to here if the wife talk the godly things to him, will not be arrogant and say, I don't care, I'm a man, you cannot say anything to me. So you submit to one another. You submit to the authority of the government. You submit to the authority in every institution. Amen. If you go to another church and the parking attendant tell you where to park, you need to listen. You don't say, the, you know, I'm a pastor for another church. I have the right to park anywhere I want. No, no. You submit to the parking attendant of that church, no matter who you are. Submission is in the Bible. So what does it mean when we talk about submission? Submission is not being forced. God never forces Jesus to go to the cross. And God will never force all of us to do anything. We have the free will. And in fact, 
the Bible say submit yourself to. What does it mean? Submit yourself to. It means that no one is making you submit. You make a decision to submit yourself. It's your own will. You make that determination. You're gonna submit. Amen. Submission is not being forced. Submission is not easy, and submission is not in agreement. When people do things together and they agree with what they're doing, that is not submission. But true submission happens when you don't agree. The leader or your boss or your employer say something, and you don't agree, but you still okay. I will do that. Amen. I learned that when I was a new believer, when I came to Harborview Hospital, my boss would tell me everything, and I have to yes, yes. If I don't do this, I cannot be fired. So I need to obey everything. And one time I make a mistake, he called me at home and he yelled at me, and I have to say yes, sir, yes, sir. Okay, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I didn't argue because I know if I argue, I will be fired. So those who work for the boss, okay. Some of us have the habit of like to argue. That's not smart. Submission to the boss, even though you don't agree. Amen. Not only that, submission also means this way: if you refuse to submit to man, you refuse to submit to God. Let me. Clearly say this: Your attitude toward God is revealed. Listen carefully. Your attitude toward God is revealed through your attitude toward man. If you say, "I love God so much, but I hate that guy," you don't really love God. If you really love God, you love other fellow human beings. Amen. You say, "I serve only God. I don't serve anybody." That is a lie. Because if you really serve God, who you don't see, you're gonna serve other people. You serve man. If you say that I submit only to God, I don't want to submit to anybody, that is a lie. Because the way you submit to God is to submit to people whom God gave authority to be over you in your life. Amen. You submit to the Bible. You submit to the Holy Spirit, and you submit to one another. Everyone say my attitude towards God is revealed in what I do to other people. Jesus was not ignorant when he was praying that prayer for three times in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was not ignorant. He knew that he's going to go to the cross. He's going to be at the whipping post. The crown of thorns going to be on him. He's gonna be slapped. People gonna say bad things to him. He will, would be rejected by his disciple. But that physical torment is not as bad as spiritual torment. On the cross, he received the sins of the whole world on his body. That is spiritual torment. Not only that, the father turned his face away from Jesus for a period of time. He was rejected by the father because the sin of The humanity was on his body. He was rejected by the Father, so that we will be accepted by the Father. He received all the bad things that we deserve: sickness, disease, curses, rejection, everything, death, sin, so that we can receive acceptance from God, healing, prosperity, and 
blessing. He make the exchange for us on the cross. He suffered so much on the cross because he received all the bad things, and he knew that it was pretty bad. And if you notice the way Jesus prayed to the Father, he said, "I know all things are possible with you, Father. I know that you can change the method if you want to to save humanity, but." The cup that he talked about means I'm going to have to die to pay for you and me. I have to suffer for mankind. But he said, okay, I don't agree with you that I should go to the cross. Not my will. My will, I don't want to go to the cross. I think his head yelling at him at that point. Oh, it's not fun to go to the cross. It's not fun to die. It's not fun to be whipped at the whipping post. I believe that his body tells him who is going to be hurt. How many of you have injection with a little needle in the hospital? I have. And when you get the injection, you feel like, I don't like that needle. But Jesus has three inches long, big nail into his hand and go through median nerve. You know, carpal tunnel syndrome. The median nerve gets pinched here. And that nail went through the nerve here. You know, the word excruciating comes from the word out of crucifixion. Cruciating. Out of crucifixion because the pain that the nail went through the nerve is so bad that now we have the English language, excruciating pain. Bad pain that comes out from crucifixion. He knows that it was not easy at all to follow the will of God and to commit to get it done. He was not in agreement with the Father at the beginning, but he submitted to the will of the Father. It's not my will. I don't want to go. But your will be done. Jesus, at that time when he prayed, he took three people with him away further from other disciples. And after that, he even went further a little bit more and prayed by himself three times in that corner. What do you learn here? You learn that in your life of commitment and submission, nobody else is going to go with you. You make your own choice. I cannot go with you to make choice for you. You need to make your own choice. You're going to commit to God to stay in your marriage, no matter how tough it is. You're going to commit to God to stay in the church that God called you to do, even though Pastor Lao may be mean to you. You need to commit to the end. It's not easy. And no one going to go to that place of praying for commitment and submission with you. You need to make your own decision every single day. I cannot commit for you. I cannot submit for you. You submit yourself. It's a place of loneliness. It's a place that sometimes even people don't understand you and laugh at you. No spiritual people will understand. I remember in 1997 when I began to bring the file of God to the church. I was loved by all the pastors in that denomination. All the people just ridiculed me on the table. Oh, these people fall down, laugh, these crazy people, crazy stuff. And no one understood me at all. And it was very lonely. Very lonely people rejected me that I welcomed the file of God into the church, the Holy Spirit. But I have to go through that myself. I need to submit to the will of God. Actually, one time, A group of people in the church say, quit laying on of hand. Quit bringing the fire of God to the church. It's scary. And you're going to chase a lot of people out of the church. 
And I quit for six months. Actually, I quit laying on of hand for six months on Sunday. And suddenly one day God say, "Are you going to fear man or fear me? Are you going to submit to me or you submit to man?" I repent. I cry and I say, "God, I'm going to lay hand again. I'm going to bring the file of God back to the church." No one understand you. You have to go there by yourself. Do you know that the good news? Do you know that there are many rewards to those who submit and obey God and commit to the end? Do you know that if you submit to God and commit to do the will of God, even though it's not easy, God will have sufficient grace for you to get the job done. You are not alone. He's going to be with you. Do you know that there is always a dawn after the midnight? Do you know that after you cry, there's going to be a joy later on? Do you know that after crucifixion, there is also resurrection? And he raised up to heaven to be at the right hand of the Father. Do you know that after you pass the test of commitment, you're going to be promoted and your anointing is going to grow up more. And not only that, the best thing is that you will help so many people in the world because you passed the test. Many lives will be touched and changed by you. When I talk to this point, you may say to me, Pastor Lau, I'm not a preacher like you. I don't put my sermon in the podcast and preach to all over the world like you. Oh, no, no, no. Okay, let me explain to you. You may not be a pastor and preacher like me, but your life has been watched by your kids, by your relative, by your friend at work. They need to see your victory. They need to see your commitment to God and faithfulness to God. And if you fail that test, they will not see the goodness of God that they should have seen. If you don't pass the test, they will not see the miracle and the reality of God that they should have seen. You are the witness. If you have victory, People around you watch you and they will say, yes, God is so real. Yes, God is so good. I want to repent. I want to come to know God because you pass your test of commitment. You impact somebody around you, even though you are not a preacher. Many people wait for you to pass the test so that they will witness with their own eyes that God is so real. God is so real to your life. Amen. So everyone say rewards. We're going to live on the other side of eternity longer than here. And the reward will be on that side. Not only that, the reward is going to be on this side as well. Two, everyone say promotion. Promotion. Three, everyone say more anointing. anointing. Four, use of God. Five, many lives will be touched, will be changed. When I was persecuted by denomination about bringing the file of God, I'd stay in the denomination for almost seven and eight years after we got persecuted. We just stayed faithfully until one day God told us to leave. So our whole church left the denomination. And at that time, I want to tell you, oh, my heart is broken. All of my pastor friends don't want to talk to me anymore. They look at me like a betrayal. Look at me like a cult or something. I lost all the friends. And not only that. I lost the young pastor that I and Pastor Dad trained by our own hands, spend money, spend time, train them up until their church grow everywhere. They all desert us. They say, no, we don't want you. We want the denomination. 
heartbroken. We cry, we cry, so many months. But now, ten years later, we reap the harvest everywhere. We see revival in Germany. We see revival in Thailand. Everywhere we go, life change, life touch. I went through Gethsemane. I went through that already. That's why I can preach this message fully, because I went through all those agony of rejection, of people deserting us, and people don't understand how we feel that we're gonna stick to God and stick to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hebrews chapter five verses four to five. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 4 to 5. This Hebrew chapter 5 talking about the agony of Jesus in Gethsemane. Look at what the Bible says. And no man takes this honor to himself, but he who is called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he, mean the Father, who said to him, mean Jesus, God the Father said to Jesus, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. This scripture talk about rewards. Talk about honor and promotion. You cannot promote yourself. You cannot bless yourself. You cannot give reward to yourself. Amen. I never buy Christmas gift to myself. The rewards, the promotion come from somebody else. The Bible here talks about the rewards and promotion that come from God. Why did Jesus get promotion and reward? Look at verses 6 to 9. And he also says in another place, You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications, talking about Jesus now, capital H, he means Jesus. He offered up prayers with Vehement cries, mean severe cries, and tears to God, to the Father, who was able to save him from death and was hurt because of his godly fear. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. What caused Jesus to cry? And in agony in Gethsemane when he prayed. It was not because he was sick. It was not because he was broke and poor. It was not because he committed sin. But because he made a decision not to follow through with his flesh, with his physical need, with his feeling and his mind. But he made a decision to submit to the will of God. And to commit to get the job done to the end. Amen? Many of you may be tempted to be rebellious. And you can quote, my boss, my employer are mean to me, not perfect. And you're so tempted to rebel and quit that office and just walk away. Your flesh may argue with God. I don't have to do that. I don't have to submit to this man. But submission is the will of God, no matter what. Let me explain to you one thing before I come to the end of the sermon. God has the perfect will for all of us, who we marry to, 
which church we're going to go, what kind of ministry we do, what kind of job. God has a perfect will. And in His perfect will, there are not multiple choices. It's only one way, one narrow road. There's no such thing that many roads to choose. No. I walk in the perfect will of God for my life. I know God called me to be a neurosurgeon. I know God called me to marry Pasada. I know and I know God called me to be a pastor of this church. I know and I know that I need to teach the Bible without compromise. I know. And that is narrow path. But thank God, that perfect will that does not have multiple choices lead me to the place of brighter and brighter, more blessing, more anointing, more victory. But if you walk out of that way to be a, on a wide road, out of the will of God, it will lead you to darker, harder, and worse condition. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 68, verse 6, God set the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bowed into prosperity. But the rebellious, this is what I cannot emphasize, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. If you walk in that narrow path, the perfect view of God for your life, it will bring you to the condition of soaking in the presence of God. You will get into the wealthy place, saturated place with the glory, with the presence of God, with the blessing and victory and more rewards and more promotion. It's tough. You cry in the beginning. But at the end, you're going to laugh later on. Amen? I want to encourage all of you. It's not easy. I sympathize with you to submit to the will of God. It's not easy. But do it. Follow the will of God. Commit to the will of God. Don't make a mistake like a woman in the Bible named Hagar. Genesis chapter 16, verses 1 to 4. Now Sarai, I'm going to end this story here. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go in to my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. Then Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. After Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, so he went in to Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. Don't do that to your boss. You may be smarter than your boss. You may be smarter than your pastor. And you begin to say, he's dumb. He doesn't know much. I finished Bible school. I know more than him. Blah, 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 blah. That is not good. To despise the people that have authority over you. That's what happened to this lady. She began to tell the whole household, there's nothing wrong with Abraham. Nothing wrong with Abram. But something wrong with Sarai. Because after I lay with him, I got pregnant. The rumor and the gossiping went out. What happened? Verses 5 to 6. 
Then Sarai said to Abram, "My wrong be upon you. I gave my maid into your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, she became despised in her eyes. The Lord judge between you and me." So Abram said to Sarai, "Indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please." And when Sarai dealt harshly with her, mean Hagar, she fled from her presence. Hagar. Walk away from the will of God. She packed her luggage. She ran away, and look at what happened next. Verses seven to nine. Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur, and he said, "Hagar, Sarai's maid." You see, he did not say, "Hagar, you are free now." He still called Hagar Sarai's maid. Her position is not changed by the will of God. Where have you come from? Where are you going? She said, "I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress Zarai, running away from the will of God." And the angel of the Lord said to her, "Return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. Please don't do like Hagar. What happened? She ran away. Her children became the enemy." To the children of Israel, if she came back, it would be a different story. Then they became friends. They would play together. They work together. But because she ran away from the will of God, my brother and sister, sometimes you may not understand everything God is doing. But if you know that it's His will for sure to be in that office, to marry that person, to have that home, to be in that church. To be in that ministry, to submit to that pastor, you know and you know in your heart, don't run away, even though it's tough, even though you may feel that you have been abused or have been harshly treated by your leadership, they may reject you. Maybe you come to the worship ministry for one year, expecting to be up front playing guitar, but the leader say you still sit there. And you don't do anything yet. Are you going to submit? Are you going to commit to the end of the call of God in your life? Let me read the last scripture: First Peter chapter two, seventeen to twenty-one. Honor all the people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh, for this is commendable. If because of conscience toward God one endures grief, suffering wrongfully, for what credit is it if, when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example. That you should follow his steps. The Bible says that even your boss and your employer or your pastor may be overbearing to you, and you know that God called you to be under him. Don't run away. Don't quit. I'm not saying that the boss should be rude or harsh to the employee. I don't mean that. But sometimes people have the flesh, and they may act in the flesh. You may be. Angry, but don't sin. 
You may be upset, but you need to submit to God and don't walk away from the will of God. You may feel that your flesh would, would, would like to scream and would like to email and you're the bad boss. But you need to pull your hand off and submit to God and say, God, this is the way it is. I know I'm in agony. I'm going to pass this test of commitment. And I believe the joy will come later, the blessing will come later because I submit to your will. Working hard, being faithful, and let God honor you. Let God reward you. Don't expect reward from man. Don't expect man to honor you. If the honor comes from God, if you, because you work hard, you're faithful, you commit to submit, eventually, at the right time, the rewards, the promotion, and honor will come from heaven, and no one can take those away from you because it comes from the Lord. Amen? Are you glad that we eat steak today? You don't shout with this sermon, but you're going to shout later on after you practice this lesson. Amen? You're going to be happy. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you so much for this lesson, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you want us to grow up, to become soldiers, to become mature Christians who never quit, who never give up, who will run the race, finish the course, to the finish line. Oh Lord, we know that every one of us here in this room and who, those who listen to this teaching have the perfect plan of God for our life. We want to walk in that narrow path. We want to receive the rewards and promotion and blessing from you, Lord. We want you to trust us, Lord. You can trust us. When you say, come, we will come. When you say go, we will go. All the ways, no matter what it takes, we will obey you to the end. We'll walk with you in submission, faithfulness, and commitment, Lord. Lord, may the Christian in this generation be the true disciple of Jesus Christ. Not just churchgoers, not pew warmers, not consumers come for having fun in the church but they will live their life for the purpose of God, Lord. We thank you, Lord. And may this teaching go into the next generation, our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. They will grow up to be strong Christians, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Bless everyone in this room, Father. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Some of you, might have flung the test of commitment. Some of you might have allowed the devil to put into your heart the negative attitudes, complaining, unhappy, instead of submitting with joy. Why don't you repent today and ask God for forgiveness? Amen? Pray to God. Ask Him to forgive you. Watch and pray so that you will not yield to the temptation. Watch and pray. Be like Jesus. Not my will, Lord, but your will. Some of you walked away from God for many, many months and many years. You say, God, I want to come back home. Tell the Lord, 
I recommit my life. I will start to read the Bible again, serve you, do whatever it takes for your purpose. I will go to church. I will grow up. I will be taught and trained. Lord, I come back home today. I make a decision. I make a decision, Lord. If you're not a believer, if you don't know Jesus, and you want to become a child of God, why don't you pray with me? Pray with me. Speak it out loud. God say, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and Savior, you will be saved. Pray with me, Father in heaven. I believe in my heart that Jesus died on the cross to pay for my sin. I confess with my mouth that He is my Lord and my Savior. He saved me. He's my Creator. Lord Jesus, come into my life right now. Fill me. With your Holy Spirit, use me, Lord. Anoint me. Show me the way. Teach me daily, Lord. I want to know you more. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I am saved. I'm born again. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Before I pray for people, let me say two things quickly. Number one, I believe that if Jesus walk into many churches in America, he will be chased out of the door because when he walk in, he will preach for a long time, for hours, and he will lay hand, he will heal. He will cast out demons, and you're gonna hear some people scream. Some people have manifestation because demon come out from people. So many churches don't accept that because we need to be sensitive to the non-believers. We cannot do that in front of people. I'm sorry, Jesus never did deliverance in the close room. He did it in public. He healed people in public. So I want to do what Jesus did. I'm not going to hide Holy Spirit in the close room. Number two, I want to explain because some of you are new here. Number two, if I take my patient into the operating room, open the skull, and say I cannot do anything, and close, and send the patient home. Come in the way he is, and go out the way he is. That is very bad. To a doctor, that's why I send some patient to other doctor because I know I cannot handle this case. I know if I open, I cannot finish the whole surgery because I'm not trained enough. Actually, I just sent one older gentleman to Harborview because he has neck fracture that required the screw to the throat, and I never be trained to do that. So I know if I open up, I could not finish. It's not fair to him. Just send him to somewhere else that they can do. The same thing with the church. People come to the church. Demonized, sick, have bad habits. And you pitch the word. You have a little bit of ritual ceremony, and they walk out the same the way they come in. That is very bad. If people come to church, they need to be changed. They need to be set free. Something must happen. 
Amen. Number three, the third reason we lay hand and we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I have been a Christian for 32-33 years. The first half, the first 15 years, I have been on fire, committed, submitted. I always loved the Word. But the first 15 years of my life, I struggled so much. I was not doing well with my Christian walk. Even though I love God, I fear God, and I love the Word. I struggle with my family. I struggle with being a husband. I struggle with being a pastor. I struggle and struggle. I could not do what I preach until one day I cried out to God. That was in 1995. God, there's something missing in the church. That's why Christians suffer. That's why Christians struggle. God, show me what we are missing. And one day God answered my prayer. A minister, he's 72 years old from Australia, came to our camp. He prayed for people and the fire of God fell. And I know this pastor, he used to be against the fire. I know and I know. I know him well. And everyone, including me, he walked by me. He, I fell under the power. Like, bam! And after that, I asked him, what happened? Why you change? Why you do this? He said that a minister went to Australia and moved in the fire. And the whole church was changed. People changed. I was repenting that I did not believe in the fire of God. So I start to fly to learn from this man that moved in the fire. Bring it back to myself, to my family, to the church. And I see totally different between before 1996 and after 1997, after the fire came to the church. Myself changed. The whole church changed. The kids in the church changed. Everybody. Much better. Easier to be a pastor in the church. I don't have a lot of counseling and headache. Husband and wife, no divorce, nothing, no adultery in the church. All the bad stuff gone from the church. If I am convicted this is good and I don't do it, I'm a liar. That's why the lawyer likes to take the position with me. When I say something that the patient needs surgery, I say it. And the lawyer on the other side like, okay. Because I talk with conviction. I'm a man of conviction. If I know the file of God is good for the church and I don't do it, I'm lying. I try to please man more than God. And I don't love you enough. Is that right? If I love you enough, I need to let the file of God touch you, fill you up. From glory to glory to glory to glory to glory until you become like Jesus Christ. Amen. Believe me, all of us need something to be cleaned up. We are not like Christ yet. Amen. If you have business to do, to go, I understand. I don't take it personal. But if you want me and Pastor Da to pray for you, I will pray for you. Ask the file of God to touch you, change you. Amen. Thank you, Father, for this morning. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord. May your fire come. Clean up your people. Purge all the dross, all the chaff, all the curses from their life, Lord. Make them more like Jesus. Make them strong. Heal them, Lord. Deliver them. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, fall.
Jesus. <laughs> yes, Lord, Akaski, Borokaski, fire. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> The Lord loves you. The Lord loves you. The Lord wants to use you. Anoint you. Fill. <laughs> With a fire, fill and touch. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. <laughs> the Lord said to you. The Lord said to you that I will give you the increase. You're gonna do more for me, more fruitful. More things, I will add into your life from heaven. I'm gonna give to you more. Be ready, be ready. Yeah, be ready. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. The Lord said to you, "Don't give up. Don't give up." Stand in faith. Trust me, I have the way to do it. Keep praying, keep trusting. Don't give up. <laughs> I am your God, and I know what to do. Keep trusting me. Stand in faith. The Lord say that. Jesus, thank you, Lord. Yes. <laughs> yes, Lord. New heart, new spirit, new cells, new fire, fire. Yes, Lord. r a k a s k u Ham bare kaski tariyala papa. Feel the Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 